So that's what I'm saying. The text is like an object. It's gonna change perspective based on where you're standing. I don't know. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I missed you, baby sweet. It was a day. Hmm? It was a day. Please tell me you're seeing this too. From Seattle, we are drinking the movies. I'm Taylor Baker. And I'm Michael Clausen. It's a really good beer. I heard about this beer when we were at the Georgetown Brewery. Because I think this is one that they're collectively brewing. A yes, bunch of microbrews. Might be a, a collaboration. Yeah, exactly. For donations, right? To the campfire. 100% of proceeds to the campfire. Yeah. The um, beer in question is the Resilience IPA. Good cause. Good Even cause. More reason to drink going, it. It's very smooth going down. Absolutely. Cheers. All right, should we just get into first impressions then? Let's do it. Brightburn with Elizabeth Banks. Let's dive in. Brandon? You are special. We believe that you came here for a reason. He was in the barn. Did he find it? No. It was like he was drawn to it. Well, Michael, that's the trailer for Brightburn. What do you think? I'm interested. I think it looks pretty cool. Uh, the The rural setting reminds me a little bit of a quiet place. Kind of hmm. a similar kind of uh, feel. Um, I like Elizabeth Banks. Um, you mentioned Jeff Nichols. Mm -hmm. This does have kind of that midnight special quality. Kid with extraordinary powers, maybe from um, oh, some kind of other shelter. world. Oh, imagery oh, like of the swing yeah, yeah. and the countryside and you know the mm. combine going you know yeah. early interstellar yeah 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 i was thinking the the kid with some sort of otherworldly power yeah. I, I didn't know the kid would have otherworldly power when i said that you chimed <laughs> so. in early um yeah i'm going to suspect that maybe the kid is yeah from some other world and that the aliens are coming back to retrieve him but maybe he has become good in some way and the parents are going to try to keep him but he also looks kind of evil so i don't know what do you think i think that if this is a super villain movie i'm very excited that'd be pretty cool and too. if this is just rehashing the ufo from space being adopted and then being taken thing i'm less interested um mm. I, i'll still i'm still very open to watching it but like yeah that would just be less interesting uh, screenplay-wise. I think that the yeah. story would be better served by having someone really become a supervillain and, like, maybe yeah. get us on their wavelength, you know? Like, we don't need to be mm. uh, too sympathetic, but if you can get us sympathetic in at least understanding the supervillain mm. and yeah. his ascension, that would be a very fun franchise to watch unfold a supervillain yeah. franchise. Yeah, that would certainly be the less... Uh, familiar path to take. Yeah, because um, like we've got an anti-hero in Venom, right? Yeah, but, like a yeah. super villain. Yeah, I could see that. So you think you think this could have legs if if it does well? Oh yeah, if it does well, it's got the Memorial Day slot. It's a yeah. superhero movie. It looks like it's going to be PG thirteen. It's it's uh, aiming towards kids. Yeah, uh, not really kids, but you know, teens, the angsty yeah. sort, uh, yeah. early twenties people. So yeah. I I think that yeah, it can have Venom legs potentially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if he uh, does turn out to be a villain, um, I like the, the possibility of this playing on the idea that um, 
this is a kid turning out to be their parents' worst nightmare, right? Yes. That's a nice. That's a nice. Yeah. Idea. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what I was uh, vibing. With. Yeah. And uh, I don't know this director, David Yurovsky. Um, he's made. Uh, mm. He made a short film tied to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, and then he did um, mm. a film called The Hive. He has a bunch of other entries in his filmography mm. that I don't remember. Um, but it's written by two relatives of James Gunn, and yeah. produced by James Gunn. So it looks like it. Yeah. It looks well made and well put together, well oversaw, or well overseen rather. Yeah, absolutely. I can't remember the actor's name who's playing Elizabeth Banks here, um, or Elizabeth Banks's husband. Sorry. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Pam's original fiance. Exactly. Um, I do like him. I do too. I see so, him more often. I think in, in comedic roles. Yeah. I'm excited to see what he got here. Yeah. I agree. But do you think he was like to John Krasinski? Like, I can do this too. Yeah. So you'd want to make Godzilla our pet? No. We would be his. All right. We just watched the trailer for Godzilla, King of the Monsters. King of the Monsters. What'd you think? Uh, I'm just very skeptical of these Universal monster movies. Uh, mm. So the end where there was the monster battle looked interesting but I suspect mm. that that is the one monster battle cut into a bunch of different frames pretending that it's not all the same fight right in this trailer mm-hmm. um, so I, I'm very excited for the final fight I mm. love kaiju fights mm. that's why I love Pacific Rim yep. uh, even though the second one sucked uh, but yeah I, I hated King Kong and I mm. very strongly disliked the first Godzilla film, so yeah, I feel like there was a Godzilla film that came out not that long ago, right? Within the last five years, there was a. Uh, uh, I think it was 2015 that the Godzilla film came out. No, yeah. th- this is a sequel to that. Oh, okay, so that shows you how not up to date I am on the yeah. Godzilla world. Yeah. Um, uh, shoot, what's his name? Um, the Asian actor w- within this hmm. film, he was um, in the reactor, I think, in the first film. And he was, he's basically the best actor in the, mm. this movie that that or this franchise now that's holding it like all together, you know. Got it. And thank God they're introducing Sally Hawkins and Vera Farmiga and Kyle Chandler because you need a, a stable of um, talent in order to pretend that any mm. of this is happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, intrigued by the cast, I, I am skeptical that they'll really be given anything all that interesting to do. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't even that. realize this was a sequel, as yeah. that is now clear. Um, was Millie Bobby Brown in the first one? No, she's new. Okay. Yeah. Um, did you like the original or the first one? No. Yeah, that's no, not, not a good all. sign. Not at all. Hmm. And I mean, um, you know, King Kong was, you know, as good a cast as you could get, and it sucked. And it's not hmm. like they switched studios, so. Yeah, I'm very worried that you know this is what happens when you don't bow down to Guillermo del Toro and give him 300 mm. million dollars to continue making Pacific Rim. You get this crap. Yeah, it's weird how I remember that movie coming out, but I remember nothing about it, and I don't remember it like doing particularly well. But maybe I'm just totally forgetting that it it did fine, and thus they'll carry on with it. Well, it's um, right. It's uh, domestic versus global. Yeah, yeah. So in the Asian market, I, I suspect it did probably as much business as Pacific Rim 
does mm. in, in the Asian markets, which is, you know, 70 to 80% of their business is done yeah. between China, Korea, Japan, and any other participating uh, yeah. box offices. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, probably one that if I don't see on the big screen, I probably just might not see at all. Um, yeah. Well, we'll probably have to watch it for the podcast. Exactly. Unless you can manage to take a vacation so we don't have to. Right. If uh, Let's book our vacations around not having to review this film. If we missed it and my only option was to watch it at home, I think it would probably be a pass. But Yeah. We might miss this one, folks. <laughs> that would it's this or Brightburn. Um, <laughs> Brightburn's do, easy choice. We're going to do Brightburn in three classics. We're going to do Chronicle. We're going to do uh, mm. the original mm. Superman with... Uh, or not the original mm. one, but the one with uh, Christopher Reeve. And then we're going to do... Uh, you know, another superhero movie that Michael's never seen. There you go. Instead. <laughs> Probably the right choice. But there we have it. Godzilla. Right. Let's uh, hop over to something even more terrifying than that trailer and film. Uh, Yorgos Lanthimos is mine. Let's do it. Yeah. So in honor of the favorite coming out, which we'll discuss last, last in this episode, we did some Yorgos Lanthimos homework. We watched it. Alps and Dogtooth. Talking about Alps first, which I did like, and you kind of did. I rated it higher than you, but not because I liked it. Right. Uh, Okay. Because I respect it. Mm. And I feel like it had a really strong vision and sense of place Mm. and uh, sense of fucked up idness that it communicated about its characters and about this town. Mm. Yeah. and also maybe latently a socio-political statement about the healthcare system, which I found oh, very yeah. mocking. Oh, funny. I do remember you mentioning that in yeah. your review now. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So uh, all those things worked for it while the whole time I was cringing while watching it and mm. attempting to continue to focus. Yeah. Because yeah. it was a tough sit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's very much similar in feel to Dogtooth um, and also the lobster. You've seen the lobster? Or no? Yeah, but I would say, I, I mean, I I would just disagree with you. Like oh, the okay. lobster, I think is much more Americanized mm, for viewing yeah. audiences. Like it's following a, a narrative thread mm, through yeah. of of um, Colin Farrell and Rachel Weisz's characters. Yeah, that comprehends and, and makes sense to people that know the story of Romeo and Juliet. Oh. Whereas, you know, just like any Western person knows the story of Romeo and Juliet, so they can kind of follow their expectations yeah. along and have them subverted by Yorgos. Yeah. Whereas in yeah. Alps, it's like, what the fuck is even happening? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think there's probably a clearer, like, narrative through line to the lobster. But I was just meaning, like, in terms of, like, the aesthetic, I think I would kind oh, of group these gotcha. together. Like, like that um, weird, um, would it be austere kind of... Um, like inf- infrastructure institution yeah being um, used as kind of a, a focal point character for building out these small characters who were then abused by orcos yeah like i think the favorites performances are far more accessible than what we get in these other ones in the which story. are all very stilted performances right they're sort of emotionless and cold and yes. it, it to me it always kind of feels like i'm just watching people in an experiment or something like that yes uh, which i don't get that sense in the favorite mm-hmm. um i mean we could maybe talk about what the cinematography does there but that's yes for that conversation um and you're right like these aren't pleasant movies but alps included like i do find myself just sort of 
fascinated by the feeling of these worlds. Yeah. Um, they feel kind of familiar and alien to me at the same time. Um, like and alternate realities of humanity. They're yeah. more subjective to some sort of a devil's whim. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, it's certainly not a like pleasant experience, but I find the unpleasantness very interesting yes. and sort of invigorating and stimulating. Um, and I think Alps is probably towards the bottom now of my Lanthimos movies um, because I it just felt like the one that I maybe had the most trouble figuring out. Um, I did too, and that's why I respected it more than Dog mm. Tooth. I had Dog Tooth figured out too quickly. That one felt a little, <clears throat> little more obvious or something. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, from Alps, it's, you're taking away something about... Um, um, something about medicine, right? Or something like that. Um, uh, well, not necessarily medicine, mm-hmm. but just an, an interesting like critique on socialized medical care mm-hmm. um, that he's making about, like, well, it, if someone's in charge of, of who's playing the, these parts, mm. you, you know, like, I, I don't really think he's criticizing medical care, sorry, but he's mm. using it as a way of criticizing acting, or performing, mm. I think, yeah. in a very interesting way. Um, specifically, the this through line that we finally come back to, and is somehow just this immensely satisfying and cathartic moment at the very end, mm. with uh, whether mm. or not she can um, do her routine to the pop song. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the the way that that everything develops in between, and and how some actresses go crazy trying mm. to play parts or getting lost in the parts. I, I do think that there's some sort of a criticism that it's interesting to consider yeah. of perhaps Hollywood and how it becomes kind of this idea of a socialized system where even though an actor is not good, Lindsay Lohan say, mm. she's still getting used for parts because she can bring in production money. Say. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. That was absolutely my takeaway was that this was something about performance how to like really specifically articulate what it is about performance he's saying that's hard and i think that's why i just was maybe left mm-hmm. a little uh i was flailing a little bit but um yeah i i think i was uh seeing the exact same thing and watching that gymnast want to perform that pop song sort of uh mirror the nurse's desire to want to play that part of the tennis girl who passed away yes right um there are these parts that people want to take on and it's it's awkward and, and they attempt to kill themselves and it doesn't work and, yeah um yeah, it's it's weird i honestly was getting lost between who was who mm. while i was watching it like i didn't know which girl hung herself oh yeah in the gym yeah like i legit still don't know <laughs> <laughs> well they do kind of look alike right like it, it, it's just tough. I think that one of the actresses here was reused late, uh, or maybe Alps came after Dogtooth. I don't remember. Mm, but one of yeah, these actresses yeah. is the same actress in Dogtooth. Yeah, Julie made it more difficult. Yes. Like, what movie am I watching again? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought this one, to me, there was more emotion here than in Dogtooth. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was almost like maybe not quite like satirical enough for me. Um, there were moments that like felt like there were like living breathing humans in here and that just made me like even more uncomfortable that yes. it didn't quite mesh with the 
really affectless performances going on elsewhere. Um, like, I remember when we first see the tennis-playing teenage girl in the hospital bed, and this is just before you watch, like, the saddest tennis match you've ever seen. Exactly. Uh, and it's just a shot of her in bed, and she looks just, like, so incredibly weak. She, like, she's not, obviously, she's not moving. You just see her blink, and, like, every blink looks like it's just requiring a ton of energy. Um, I don't know that I've felt anything quite like that in some of the other movies, especially because this all seems to be tied to grief. Um, that I don't, like, it, it's almost too real there in yes. sort of context of how awkward so much else is. Um, I couldn't quite get those tones to line up for me, and it was very uncomfortable. I agree. And not in quite as productive of a way, I think. I, I So when I saw those mixed tones, mm. um, which, I, you know, it's interesting because it's like, well, all the people that aren't playing the actors seem like really real people, but they're also actors that are acting in this film, right? Mm-hmm. And then the actors that are acting within the acting portion of the film that are attached to this institution are like this broken, terrible version of acting, ah, which yeah. I think is interesting to consider within the Greek context of their government, mm. uh, because they, they do have, uh, you know, I don't know the full extent, but I know they have staggering problems with their current national situation as, oh, as yeah. far as government and uh, what they believe in and, and how tax money's not being collected and how yeah. money is spent on on what and how what you end up getting out of your system looks very broken yeah perhaps these are reflections of a criticism of that greek system and that's mm. why i'm talking about the socialized medical care yeah criticism um but it, there's something per, perhaps underneath what's happening which is almost beautiful Mm. in the way that the room is beautiful mm. and like the the true energy that these actors that are terrible at acting are bringing like they're not terrible at acting because they're acting terribly on purpose right, within right. the film but they're bringing such this a terrible performance like Tommy did yeah. is filled with so much passion oh yeah that um, I, it just makes it fascinating to, to yeah. continue to mull on I yeah. guess and yeah. that's why I rated this higher than Dogtooth even though mm. I did not like it. Yeah, I just yeah, I would think agree. it's a fascinating uh, yeah. thing to continue to peel back layers on and think about. Yeah, yeah, there's something about the total commitment to that aesthetic mm -hmm. that is somehow very satisfying while it is very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, like, I just never doubt that these people act this way, even though the way they act makes no sense to me, right? right? Yeah, um, yeah. I think, you know, Josh... Larson usually uses that phrase like this might not make sense to me but at least it seems to be following its own kind of internal logic yeah like there do seem to be rules that this movie is following and this is just how these always. people behave always in your um, films that, yeah that's yeah. how it's going um so that's why I think I do like them despite them being just unpleasant Mm -hmm. um, you know what's interesting is to consider this against the killing of a sacred deer where the institution is kind of the reality mm. say more yeah, I mean, I think this is... I don't is... know, I just, like, I just unlocked it right now. I was just yeah. thinking about how Colin Farrell's part of the hospital institution. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of the the realest thing that's happening. Because mm. that family doesn't seem to be a real family, even though they're pretending that it's real and all together. And then we see the fallout yep. of that with, uh, what's his name, Barry Kiao? 
Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. He's great I always there. forget, like, if I'm just mapping Riley Cow onto oh, Harry yeah, yeah. Cow. I feel like there's an N on the end of his last name. Keoghan? I always oh, want to pronounce really? the G, but I don't know that you actually do. Yeah, we might but be butchering Cow as, as well. But um, I, I do think there's something interesting about how, like, uh, a person who's completely unmapped from the institution becomes, like, mm. this weird societal abnormality that that's cursing people yeah. and the killing of a sacred deer whereas uh the institution is the problem mm, in this like yeah. like i i would be very curious to read interviews with, with yorgos where perhaps they they bear down on him and like mm. make him answer some questions about the connective tissue or at least about what's influenced him so that other people can unlock that connective tissue. Because he might be yeah. like Orson Welles and just be in complete denial. Yeah, yeah. I think if you wanted to, like, pair up his movies, I hadn't even thought about that until now, but I think Alps absolutely makes sense to be paired with Killing of a Sacred Deer. And I would probably put The Lobster with Dogtooth. Agreed. Um, there's something sort of about the, the so animalistic... So do we need to watch for the favorite? I, know, I don't know even what that one's about. I don't know. Um, I don't know as many people... I haven't heard as many people talk about that one. Um, that's his first one, right? Uh, no, he has a picture before that. It might be a short, like a oh, longer really? short. Yeah. But I, I think that, work. that is his first feature as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so who knows? Maybe that one would go with the favorite. I feel like of these five, the favorite's kind of doing its own thing. Um, the, me, the favorite's definitely the most appetizing to a Western audience far more accessible or um, probably just i'm not gonna say that like a global audience yeah a global audience i think can take in the favorite <laughs> yeah well I, but i can't decide if i'm saying that only because we're watching the other Lanthimos ones and those are so inaccessible like i think to a general yeah. audience those the favorite might still be very peculiar really when, when we were walking out of the favorite i was overcome with how much i never didn't understand what was going on yeah which is a first for me yeah. In a Lanthimos movie. Like, I, I almost always have multiple experiences of what the fuck is even happening. Mm. But in The Favorite, I always knew. Right, right. It's perhaps more the kind of abrasiveness of the things like Emma Stone hitting herself in yeah, the face. Yeah, but you of know why she's doing that because she's kind of mapped it out. Like, you right, know. but I would still think, like, my mom would be like, why is this so unpleasant? Oh, absolutely. My, <laughs> yeah, my mom would have walked out and been like, we yeah. did not get the tickets to the Kevin Hart and Tiffany Haddish film. Um, we're in the wrong theater. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah. Even, I, I guess maybe even his most accessible is still going to have those unpleasantries. Oh, yeah, this is for you know uh, an audience of limited quantity this is yeah. for the art audience i suppose yeah you know like his films are art house films you know in in mm. major cities they're not films that should necessarily be on every screen it yeah. i think it's only because of emma stone olivia coleman rachel vice that you know this is getting plastered for a yeah or nomination definitely and olivia yep. coleman's performance oh yeah for sure they're all good but olivia damn. yeah yeah um and I like the performances in Alps. I don't know that there's really like a standout here. Um, I don't know how feels... to know. It's yeah. like judging whether or not uh, James Franco's Tommy Wiseau is amazing or mm -hmm. not. I think it was amazing, but I understand why other people don't think it was. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is. I mean, I can't help but feel like it is a success direction-wise to get everybody on the same 
plane. All right, it does feel like they are all of the same world. So, um, when you were watching it, because they were all of the same world and they were all fucking batshit insane. Correct. Did you feel like you were an insane person because you couldn't understand what was happening, or is that just me? I don't know that I ever felt insane. I did feel like I was just seeing something otherworldly, though. It does feel yeah. just like an alternate dimension. Like, as I was watching it, I was like, am I missing stuff? Mm. Like, am I missing a lot of stuff a lot? Mm. Like, maybe every 12 minutes I'd go, what am I missing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that can be a weird feeling when you feel like the movie is making it feel like there's something wrong with you for not yeah. understanding. I, that can be kind of a disappointing feeling. I no, don't it know. Didn't, it You're didn't okay really with it? bother me, but it like mm. it did fuck with my head and make me go like, am I the one that's not under like should I be understanding this in a way that that I'm not because I'm missing stuff? Mm. You, you know, like um, I had that experience very briefly with uh, the world is yours. Mm. Yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, in moments, and I just rewind and, and I I check the subtitles against the way that because sometimes when you're reading subtitles, you're not looking at the facial cues. Yeah. So I, I was doing that, and um, I tried to do that a few times with Alps, you know, to, to check yeah. the, the subtitles against the facial cues, but the facial cues wouldn't help. You <laughs> You're know? like, this might be worse. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I'm getting farther away from understanding here. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Um, it's already a film that deliberately distances you, so when it's also in a foreign language, that doesn't help. Um and I really, despite kind of getting the sense that, like we've already talked about it, it has something to do with performance, how it kind of wraps up with this uh, main character, the nurse, insisting on playing the role of that tennis girl, mm-hmm. right? Breaking into the parents' house and acting like that specifically that girl. was a moment where I was like, should I understand why she's breaking into this house? Yeah, I, 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 I have thought so damn hard, and I, and I do. Feel like I'm missing something. I would totally agree. Okay, um, it's not just me. No, I'm no. not going insane. <laughs> it does sort of like invite me back. Like I kind of want to figure it out, and I wouldn't mind getting back into it to try and figure it out. But it did feel like one of, unlike Dogtooth, it was really sort of suggesting some sort of um, inner emotion in her or some yes. sort of interiority. And I'm like, I don't think this is really I never going to found work. That interiority. Yeah, I'm like, at the same time you're distancing me from her with this awkwardness, you're also suggesting there there's something beneath the surface, and I feel like there's just, like, this wall there that, like, it doesn't feel quite right. Yeah, he's a very interesting artist. I'm, yeah. I'm like, glad we did this, but I never want to do it again. <laughs> One-time deal? Yeah, like, I'm very interested in revisiting these titles as long as I never look at them again. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Do you want to switch gears? Since we're, yeah. we're kind of jumping around. Yeah. Let's, but... uh, let's hop over to the next title, which is Dogtooth, which is a lot um, more straightforward. You know, you got your uh, children. You keep them locked in the garden because <laughs> outside the garden is real scary. And then you uh, you bring in your local security officer to sleep with them and uh, give them library VHSs and you have the mother do crazy weird stuff. And uh, pussy is how you turn off a light, you know, when when you turn the pussy off, the, the light goes out. I knew um, that. I didn't know about you. Yeah, it's it was, um, it was an exercise in what I remember about Greek mythology. Mm-hmm say more there because 
I don't know. Um, I don't know. If, so yeah. he's Greek. Yorgos yeah. is Greek. And I think that um, classical Greek myths um, are kind of the staple of where he pulls his influence. Um, not just stylistically, but narrative-wise. Mm. Like, he makes you feel like you're following a, a real through with his camera, even in Alps. Yeah. But you're kind of not, and you're jumping around with all these random characters that symbolize different ideas and themes mm. that you don't necessarily know at first glance. And, you know, you could spend a hundred years debating about what exactly some people in Alps mean and what some people don't. Yeah. And that is, um, you know, before the Brothers Grimm, there were Greek myths. And, you know, there weren't Roman myths um, without the Greek mm. myths. You know, Greek myths kind of influenced a, a large amount of what we think about now and those are from babylonian myths etc but the the crucial stuff to know about greek myths is there's a lot of incest mm. there's a lot of sodomy there's a lot of eye gouging great stuff. there's a lot of uh animal sacrifice there's a lot of um fathers doing things again like that they don't necessarily want to do but think they have to do mm. to their children and their families um you know it's you can definitely be informed the more Greek mythology mm. you know uh, watching Yorgos. Except yeah. for The Favorite. The Favorite's the first time where I was like, this isn't very Greek. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think I felt similarly when I was watching The Killing of a Secret Deer. Um, mm -hmm. That one all also felt similarly steeped in myth. Um, yes. but, um, I think I also had difficulty sort of in untangling there what his, his point was, despite sort of enjoy enjoying what he was maybe yeah. going for. It's also I mean, been I mean just randomly speculating, I'd say that it's kind of a bastard son myth. Mm. Killing of a sacred deer is, um, yeah. where he kind of, cause he was the son, right? Of Colin Farrell, or am I misremembering? I don't think he was. I think he was just uh somebody who happened to meet Colin Farrell and end up becoming kind of like a uh mentee to him right at the yes. hospital yes and he says I'm gonna yeah. kill your whole family or something yeah, like that's, that yeah that's that's interesting <laughs> um yeah I'd have to reflect more on that yeah. before I jump to random assumptions but yeah there's something um Greek about what happens in that mm. film absolutely yeah. but I don't know if that'd be more of a biblical story mm. narrative um old testament style or if that would be more of a greek narrative yeah yeah um yeah yeah it seems like that's clearly the uh source material yes. for a lot of his his tendencies and touches um he looks for uh whose family is the most fucked up in any given narrative and then he tries to write a story about how to do mm, something <laughs> yeah um but yeah, I think I did like this more than Alps just because it was, like to me, it felt a little more tightly focused. I think I was just better able to kind of grasp what the what he was going for here. Um, yeah, he got me to go, why is he counting the stickers? And then mm, explain to me why he was counting the stickers. Yeah. That's a first for Yorgos. He got yeah. me on a narrative thread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's interesting you said it was maybe a little too easy. Yeah, to unlock what was going to happen. Mm, yeah, yeah yeah uh to me it did feel one like one that was interesting to watch right now because it doesn't feel like many of these things are all that different from like things we talk about uh in the current moment like i think you could just see this as a movie about uh misinformation 
the consequence of that. Um, I would not be surprised if these parents were claiming to be teaching their kids alternative facts. If you ask them, why are you doing doing this with with their uh, vocabulary? Um, I think it's a, a flexible enough metaphor that you can read it for that kind of thing. You can read it for something about overbearing parents, over controlling parents, um, or what it's like to just live as a part of any institution that is um, overly manipulated or overly controlled by another. Hmm. Um, I didn't see it as an institution film as much as a false reality film. Mm where the parents are instituting a false reality upon the thing that they're supposed to love the most. And then those Mm. things go about terrorizing themselves and each other Mm. in order to try to transcend something that with its moving definitions can't be transcended until the oldest sister, I think finds out a way of breaking it open through Mm. self-sacrifice. Yeah. I think, um, to me, there is something slightly optimistic about the ending uh-huh. in that she at least exhibits some sort of inextinguishable desire for her own independence, right? And She's she like, never gets caught. Yeah. I think it maybe kind of breaks its own logic there when I was led to believe that she thought when she loses that dog tooth, her parents would have let her go. Um, so I'm not sure why she knocked the tooth out and then proceeded to try and sneak out. Um, I think I would have expected her to have knocked the tooth out and then said, look, dad, well, I she, lost my dog tooth. Because she didn't lose it naturally. Yeah, She beat I guess it so. out of herself and she had just been beaten by him. I guess so. In that case, if I was right. her, I would have just hidden in the trunk and not busted the yeah. tooth out. Well. <laughs> not really the kind of movie she, where you can say if I was her. But. She She thought that the way that that reality worked was that she actually couldn't leave the mm. the walled garden mm-hmm. and emerge out into the rest of the garden without having lost this tooth. Mm. So yeah. she she thought it was a key, mm. and you know she she beat it out of herself. Um, yeah. you, you know she found a way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought she was great. I think most of these performances are pretty good, despite them being so uncomfortable i think they're just so committed yeah no it's terrible but it's well done yeah yeah (laughs) um i don't think either of these movies have any score to speak of i think the favorite's the first time he's used any uh non-diegetic music i think that plays a pretty big role in making these so cold um there's really nothing to hold your hand or guide you through the emotion um it really does feel like reality in that sense that there is that there is not that artifice to comfort you yeah um just an interesting touch i think the killing of a sacred kitten (sighs) not fun to watch that kitten get taken down no i was pretty pissed off yeah (laughs) yeah yeah um the uh brother on the other side of the fence kind of interesting mm-hmm. um no comment there just interesting <laughs> yeah um i i don't i'd have to rewatch the film to see how to reinterpret that scene mm. right it, he's tearing his pants and his shirt and smearing ketchup on himself mm-hmm. and he comes in and he come they come up with this fabricated story right 
Yeah, he says he was attacked by the cat. Yes. Yeah. 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 The most feared animal of all, or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think if I were to try and describe why I think some of those performances are interesting, it is because it's this tension between like how robotic they feel at the same time that they're feel it feels somewhat animalistic. Mm-hmm. Like it's very weird to tell an actor. I want you to behave in a very mechanical fashion and then pretend you like you're a dog. Like what a confusing thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this even, it's partly because of that, that I sort of align this with the lobster um, in that they both sort of explore like the ways, tendency. yeah, the ways in which our, our animalistic drives sort of conflict with the desire for order mm-hmm. or control or something like that. Um, which I do think is a very unpleasant tension that he drives yes. very hard. Per- particularly in this film. Like, I, I would rather rewatch The Lobster twice than watch Dogtooth again, just for some of the the more brutal licking moments. Ooh, yeah. Uh, when both the sisters climb into the bathtub. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's there's some uncomfortable incestual relations that are continuously happening, and, yeah, I just want no part of rewatching this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, there are clearly things that no matter how hard the parents try, there are things that cannot be suppressed, and desire is one thing that I felt was not one of them. Yeah. Although desire they... never seemed to creep out, though. It's like um, they were using that animalistic tendency of desire to attempt to manipulate them i Mm. i thought because in the beginning they're using um the brother's sexual drive right with the security guard we never see him just openly desiring things and making bad choices it's they are are picking up that he has this desire and then they're trying to find an outlet for it Mm. more than kind of a corruption i think Mm. yeah I don't know if the I can't tell if the parents would even suspect that the daughters might have sort of desire of their own, which they I don't yeah, think I don't, the girls even understand what it is that they like. Why does they want that until they just yeah. start doing that? And they're like, "I'll lick me, and I'll give you the I'll give you a sticker." Lick my shoulder <laughs> right here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, weird, but interesting nonetheless. Yeah, it's it's interesting, but it's certainly mm-hmm. fucked up. It is. Very Indeed. fucked up. Uh, feels like a natural point of transitioning. We're talking about fucked up things. Let's go to the favorite. To the favorite. I apologize for my appearance. I hoped I might be employed here by you as something. A monster for the children to play with, perhaps. <laughs> it is important to make new friends in court, is it not? You're so beautiful. Stop it. You mock me. If I were a man, I would ravish you. (laughs) You have become close to Abigail. She is a viper. You're jealous. You must send Abigail away. I do not want to. Let's shoot something. Favorite actress? Olivia Colman. You? Yeah, agreed. But Emma Stone's great. Oh, I was fighting between the two. Me too. Um, But as I say that, I mean... This is really a trio that I adore. Oh, yes. I really have nothing against Rachel Weiss here. I just think what the other two do Wait, is particularly... Nicholas Holt count with his bodacious hair? 
<laughs> yeah, why not? It looks pretty sweet. And the makeup looks oh, great. Yeah. Looking very sharp. Quite the wig. Yeah. Um, I like this movie a lot. I think we have the same score. I gave it a heart. Did you? I did. Four and a half and a heart out of five. Um, yeah, kind of like we already talked about. I think it is far more accessible while retaining the idiosyncrasy of his other movies. Um, uh, I think it's impossible for him to make a movie in which a character doesn't hurt themselves. I don't know that I can think of... I can't imagine <laughs> how he would... Would he not... I, he would make a movie without characters. It's the only way. Found it. There you go. Unlocked. <laughs> Something very avant-garde. <laughs> It'd be very hard for him. <laughs> uh, just upshots of the heavens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh, during Alps, I remember that you know the gymnast tries to hang herself. Mm-hmm. Dog, too, she beats herself with the weight Mm-hmm. Lobster, I remember Ben Wishaw's character slamming his face against a desk, and I don't remember why. Mm-hmm. I just remember being stunned as he did that. There's like a tree scene as well with some self-flagellation, I think, and then obviously mm. the ending where they blind themselves. Oh, right. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that popped to mind when I was watching Emma Stone whack herself yeah, he's interested in, in blood sacrifice. Yeah, to me, it's just what we're willing to do to achieve whatever it is we want. Um, it's ruthless. It, it is, but it's also um, politics. Politics is ruthless. It is. <laughs> it is. Uh, <clears throat> the things we'll do to get a library of books. Yeah. Uh, I saw that the... I haven't listened to it yet, but the next picture show was pairing this with... Mean Girls for discussion, which I thought was a nice choice. A good Lindsay Lohan film. It is. Great movie. Um, The other movie that came to mind from this year was The Death of Stalin for another one where this power vacuum is um, one in which we're seeing people, you know, jockeying for for control. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I draw a few distinctions between The Death of Stalin and uh, The Favorite, you know. But But can you see why I bring it up? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm, what Olivia Coleman manages to do with facial tics um, and mm. and uh, manipulating her facial mu- muscles to give the impression of a stroke or uh, a full body gout breakout, mm. um, how how she lays herself up and acts rueful while also being hurt and. Um, agnostic while also being particular are are mm. very intricate like it was a fascinating performance to watch oh yeah i had the benefit of um having a few beers and watching um shoot what's that movie i just watched it um edgar wright's picture simon Pegg, nick Frost. hot fuzz hot fuzz i just watched hot fuzz this week with olivia coleman as a supporting oh. actress as a policewoman Mm. And she looks so... Like, this is maybe 10 years ago. She looks mm. so... She doesn't look different, but she looks so much younger and, and less um, regal than she mm. did in this movie. Like, it, it, it's truly a transform, a transformative um, performance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she looks so exhausted to me throughout so much of this. 
Uh, and just that irony of so much power being held by someone who is so disinterested in it. And knows nothing about what's happening. Yeah. Doesn't know the war is still going on, right? Um, know that within the first 10 minutes, her obliviousness is not um, subtle. <laughs> um, I think it's a beautifully shot movie. I liked the, the fisheye lens mm. for a lot of it. I thought it looked Every great. Every time it showed up, it was pleasant. Yeah, I agree. Very well-timed. Yeah. Um, so dark. Um, I think it's just exquisitely lit. Um, it looks like a lot of it shot with natural candlelight. I have no idea if that's true or not. It just looked um, like like truly lush, decadent I, interiors I, I think to it me. Was, I, I mean, I think that it looked like, not specifically candlelight, but it looked like it was lit by fire the whole time. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. at times we have fires going in... in um, chimneys and stuff like that yeah. but and then we have outdoor lighting and then we have like the moonlight and in, in some of the outdoor sequences where she's pushed off of a, a path and, and such like yeah I, I would definitely agree that first the the arrival of emma stone though i think is the first time that we see that fisheye lens mm. with the uh the carriage comes in and it fish eyes and then it goes past the fisheye and that's just that was kind of a turning point for like everything's happened and now the lever's being pulled and and yeah. that was just such a great visual cue yeah things are about to become a bit more twisted a bit more yeah distorted yeah yeah um yeah and it's kind of this weird clash to me you know i always hear him compared to kubrick um so yeah i've heard that too i don't i don't buy in but i see why yeah um I think more often than not, I just hear him similarly described as kind of cold and critical in his approach. Um, so Barry Lyndon's the movie that comes to mind when I watch The Favorite, hmm. um, which is also very sort of painterly in its uh, visual style. Um, and I would also describe this as very painterly, but that fisheye lens does also very much not feel like a painting to me it's to me it's it there is sort of this weird visual tension in how those feel sort of like um these um decadent tableaus that feel mm -hmm. off um which i like yeah it's, it's not curious. a criticism like when you say painterly i'm trying to think you know at eternity's gate and and i'm not mm. seeing that but maybe you're talking more monet <laughs> yeah, that could be. Yeah, yeah, more more classical painting. Yeah, because we just watched that painting movie. So like, I'm thinking like all the stylistic flourishes that we got to see in that Willem Dafoe picture. Like, I'm yeah. not thinking about any of those. But I guess the single images are lit in such a way that it does perhaps feel like a painting because at the time when most of these notable paintings of this point in time were made, there was only naturalistic lighting to begin right. with. Yeah, but. Yeah, I, I never, while I was watching it, was thinking paintings. I, mm. I, I yeah. was thinking just picture. Just, mm. th this is a great picture. I I, yeah. I never kind of had that subversion of thought towards mm. a painting. I, I guess maybe in a few moments, um, th there's some moments where Emma Stone is in her bed. And, then, mm. and I think that in those moments are some of the only down shots of the film. Mm. Um, where we're kind of looking down at the the characters and it does kind of feel like an artist's view of of someone doing something. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because she is an agent that accomplishes what she's achieving because there are so many upshots that are incorporating yeah. the ceiling and making everything feel like a prison in this film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, camera placement feels like it's 
critical to yeah. the, he's the tone and feel. He's yeah. had the, uh, I don't remember his name, but he, I think he's had the same cinematographer since Kaneda. Oh, interesting. Uh, this feels like the most visually interesting to me, cinematography-wise, probably by a long shot. Absolutely. Yeah. Not that I dislike it in, in the other ones we watch, but it does feel more purposeful here. Yeah. Um, and more I, I can think of some stirring images in The Killing of a Sacred Deer, specifically. Mm. Oh, yeah, I take that back. Um, you're totally right, because... But the, the favorite is special in what it does, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've heard people compare The Killing of a Sacred Deer and those tracking shots and that detachment to something like The Shining and Feel. Mm -hmm. Um and the um, period piece detail, obviously, of uh, the favorite being more like his Barry Lyndon, and then his satires being something more like the comedic touch you get in a, um, oh, what's the, the comedy um, uh, that Kubrick did? I'm not going to say it because I completely disagree. Ah, that's just the comparison that I was here. <laughs> it's um, Dr. Strangelove. Dr. Strangelove, yeah, but, yeah uh, exactly. No, where Doctor Strangelove is a comedy, his satires are mm. banal pieces of of torture. <laughs> yeah, but I I think the idea is just that it's his they're satirical. I I guess I I wouldn't stretch so far as to make these mm. Kubrick alignments. I I think mm. that um, you know, it's interesting with uh up and coming director um like what's his name cody taylor something for thoroughbreds like i, I do think that film oh, yeah. is a particularly interesting comparison with lolita mm. um but i w wouldn't be willing to make the jump that that director's on a kubrick path like i wouldn't mm. be willing to make the jump to that yorgos is on a kubrick path mm. I, ju I just am I, yeah not willing to participate That's in that it. particular conversation because i don't see yeah. it yeah the same way i think he's doing something um, totally different maybe he's influenced by Kubrick I think every artist is but uh, his storytelling is totally different in what he's yeah. communicating I think yeah yeah um, I would agree I mean I maybe I think I I think I do see it but I would agree Yorgos is clearly his own he has his yeah. own voice I, sure. I mean do they see, did they see the world in a similar way definitely Kubrick yeah. was a super um masochistic um yeah. smug kind of person the way that yorgos ap appears to transmute himself into his films you know yeah but their um i think their objectives when filmmaking might be slightly different ways of criticizing reality mm. yeah yeah i think yorgos's sensibilities is is very distinct um it probably has something to do with sort of the variation in his choice of films um, and how he kind of, kind of has ranged from that satire to something more supernatural in a way to with uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer mm -hmm. that feels some sort of unexplainable um, in a way that The Shining is kind of unexplainable. Um, and the sort of comedic touch I think you get in The Favorite is very reminiscent of Barry Lyndon, which is mm -hmm. not... I mean, it is it is beautiful, but it also is very tongue in cheek. Gotcha. Um, um, I haven't seen Barry anyways. Lyndon, so I might be missing oh, out okay. on the subtext. Oh, I should have of, ended that of, a long uh, time ago. My bad. Of Kubrick to Lanthimos, but 
I, I can see more of the setting taking over the way that the shining does mm. um in this where where like this this palace does become more mm. of its own character yeah and kind of the the most implicit way of understanding the story from beginning to end is she's gonna get a palace to she's not allowed in the fucking kingdom yeah yeah exactly <laughs> very true um how about those fades those cross fades mm. those are real nice they are i was a very big fan they are um yeah this is uh i mean we're a week away from it now mm-hmm. so i i don't remember as much as i would like to but i i remember there the interpolitics was never overplayed it was just always something that um a character was catching up with specifically emma stone seemed to always be catching up with mm. and everyone else was fretting about while olivia coleman was worried about her body yeah which i thought was a great representation of what was happening to the kingdom's body the army mm. so like yeah. as her army's fighting she is her body is suffering and she's having to be mm. wheeled around i thought that there was a great interplay of um kingdom to queen Mm, kind of yeah. a body inhabiting the symptoms of the kingdom so that we didn't have mm. to cut to the army we could just watch what's happening to her body and uh. understand kind of what's going on in the kingdom interesting yeah i was thinking i was thinking more about the kingdom relative to the rabbits um uh. i think it's is it maybe the last shot where he's doing the crossfades again and he's blending their faces with the rabbits yes um, yeah that was a crucial yes yeah. yeah um I didn't get that he was blending their faces with the rabbits. I could I just, be misremembering. He does I, it a couple times. No, yeah. no, that's an interesting way of interpreting it. But when I was watching, I wasn't thinking the rabbits are the faces. I was thinking mm. like the rabbits are the people. Rather. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, just visually, those are like the images yeah. layered on top of each other. But I was thinking about the fact that however this trio, however, whatever course of action they actually take, um, like changes the course of history for the people that these r rabbits are visually are representing. Yes. Um, well, the rabbits are representing her Olivia Coleman's dead children. Right. To me, in that particular moment, though, um, I think it's I, I felt it representing something even just broader than that. I, mean, I, she's, I agree. It's literally what she says they mean to her. Um, do do but, you? do you have an idea of what the rabbit specifically represented during that final crossfade though because i don't i just have a general idea so i'd be interested if you have something specific i think it's just the idea that however this power vacuum plays out does literally affect the course of history um and that those rabbits are all the people not there who will be affected be affected in one way oh, or another interesting yeah interesting yeah, what were you thinking? Well, you, you know, they breed like rabbits. Rabbits are useless and get killed instantly. Mm. They're they're cute, but they're useless. You, you know, like there's mm -hmm. all these other things that I was just thinking. I, I never really mapped onto one idea with the rabbits other than don't treat them cruelly, which Emma mm. Stone does, you know. I didn't like that part. I didn't like that at all. Uh, I was fine with it compared to the kitten murder. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. Touche. Uh, just in context of what he's done to people and animals, I thought this was the most reasonable film. <laughs> I don't know why that part kept, caught me off guard. I didn't know that she had gotten to that point of cruelty and oh, drove it I, home. I knew it. It Emma, was effective. Emma Stone's always got that little thing in her eyes where mm -hmm. she might smile the wrong way and just, you know, mm -hmm. break your jazz piano playing heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
What else? I thought it was funny. I thought it was surprisingly funny. It was, it was comedy. Absolutely. A farce. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Some of the be, some of the performances and behavior I felt like had some modern uh, inflections to them. Absolutely. Um, Emma or not? Uh, yeah, Emma Stone walking out of the Queen's bed room and dropping the f bomb. You know, a handful of times. Uh, you know, that felt like a high school girl mm-hmm. wandering away from a clique pissed off um um oh yeah yeah when she's kicked out and she fuck, fuck. and she's yeah. walking down the hallway yeah screaming, yeah fuck. um you know those were moments that again just sort of create that that, that really distinct sensibility something mm-hmm. that was kind of unexpected i'm like yeah that's familiar but not in that period i it, it, it's yeah. it's just weird kind of um tone that's great that was awesome. it, it was yeah. it was fun um the hallways are are used in an in an interesting way where it's kind of the transit they only use hallways kind of for transitions of power and um transitions of anger mm. and then the bedroom seemed to be used as um where the, the real politicking happens between people that are have acquired power mm. whether it be emma stone um, with the boys coming to her room, yeah. or Olivia Coleman's bedroom, or um, Emma Stone in Rachel Vice's bedroom, and her acquisition of that bedroom, like how the rooms represent power, mm. is an interesting transitory uh, value. I think. Yeah, everyone's chomping at the bit to be in the uh, in the queen's bed mm-hmm. in that that room, which is quite the room. It's quite the room. Um, <laughs> oh, how about her eating the cake? Oh. Then- puking it back up no that that's exactly like that's when i was like oh she represents not just the queen but the the country as the queen like the body Mm. is it's ingesting something that's bad for it Mm, and it's poisoning itself and decaying itself yeah i could just watch that scene absolutely (laughs) that and the uh are you looking at me look at great me. stuff don't look at me i can't believe how many times i've seen that clip in the trailer mm-hmm. and still found it funny in the moment yeah, i was be- like this because is still they didn't way show better. us the whole moment yeah there's mm-hmm. more to that moment than what yeah. they show us then her inflections and the spittle that flies and the shame and the the embitterment it's it's mm-hmm. just special um we haven't mm-hmm. talked about the house of the lords it's mm-hmm. an interesting you know when they go to court and there's the house of the lords one oh, side's right, right, bickering right. with the yeah. other side um it was just an interesting way of demonstrating how you know these power debates are are still really not changing anything yeah you know like once one side comes into power they don't change anything to the power structure they just change what mm-hmm. happens to everybody we don't see like those rabbits mm-hmm. in the end that you were yeah. describing that, that idea too which is um yeah i'd be interested to revisit this film and think about how to interpret what's happening to everyone that we're not seeing in the countryside oh i know wouldn't that be a different movie if we cut to that battle um we keep hearing about um you know the troops need more money they're ready they're ready to attack or something like that and that's all off screen you're right like Mm -hmm. that is there is so much action taking place that we never see yeah i think Mm -hmm. the only time we leave is with rachel vice yeah, I think that's right. Because Emma Stone's arriving, you know, like, we're on the road, and we follow that same road when she leaves, and then we see her in the um, prostitution house, and then we see her in mm-hmm. her house, and that's, like, it. Yeah. Yeah, it is, yeah, very different, I think, from a, uh, a movie like Dogtooth, where it just feels like 
the world outside of what we exactly uh, outside of what we see on screen seems kind of non-existent almost this like is implying a lot about what which we is see. very interesting because that's probably um a communication that i would deem as accurate about how they governed yeah. specifically during this rule yeah which is like who cares about who's outside these walls yeah and then someone like rachel vice has to come in and say um well it's hard but we need to tax them and then someone like the yeah. Chris Holt is like my people will not stand for the tax uh, but i would like a bedroom and i would like to be the lead counsel yeah <laughs> instead yeah. of the lead of the opposition yeah he was great i like nick Holt a lot he was pretty good yeah um good beast is good yeah absolutely yeah some great makeup in this movie mm-hmm. man we haven't uh talked about makeup in a while last time we talked about makeup was maybe suspiria until the swinton mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but uh yeah so pasty so pasty <laughs> once you see under the silver light we can talk about makeup mm. again oh interesting i'm intrigued some sort of a Tilda Swinton thing might be going on there too. Ah, I like it. Um, and the score again here. Um, not, I don't know that I have a lot to say about it, but I thought it was great. It definitely cued me into the narrative, mm. which is I, I hadn't noticed how there was such a lack of music cues in his other films. Mm. Once you brought that up when we were talking about Dogtooth or Alps, yeah, both, yeah. Um, that might be one of the key things with why I was able to follow it the whole time. Yeah. Like, I never once didn't know what Emma Stone's goal was and who she was and how she was playing people. Yeah. Like, I knew that she was that cynic from the start, that cynic victim. You mm-hmm. know, like, I'm yeah. playing the victim card and I'm also the cynic that's going to hurt things and take what I want. Yeah. You know, um, the embittered queen is another way that you could paint her character yeah yeah absolutely um yeah i mean i i think the absence of music works quite well in something like dogtooth but the music here feels like the right choice mm-hmm. um to sort of ease you through this it's not easy but it does serve as sort of a um guide of some yeah. of some sort in tone I, yeah I, I mean i'd be interested to watch dogtooth with a guide if there was a musical guide to dogtooth it would be very interesting to to follow because then there would be a more clear voice about what Yorgos wants to say rather than my mm. interpreted mm-hmm. understanding of what he wants to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this is also the first one that he didn't write. Um, I think all those were the uh, were original scripts, um, which I think is I think it's great how much to me it still feels like a Yorgos Lanthimos movie after watching all these other ones. But right? it's also much more approachable when he doesn't write it by far. So um, it's, yeah, it's a great mix. Yeah, I like you almost. I almost could wonder if he said, "Oh yeah, I could have done that without music," but you know, I might win an Oscar if I put some music in there. People... Also, people <laughs> might buy tickets. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you could. I can imagine the this was last year, right? The killing of the sacred deer was last December, I think. Right. And mm-hmm. I remember you could only see it in one theater. I think it was like the Regler, the AMC downtown, and they only had it for like a week and a half. Yeah. Sounds about yeah. right. The favorites in like every freaking theater. Yeah. And it's going to be there for probably a month. Yeah. You know, it's it's a good step for him. Yeah. For me. Um, as a viewer of him, I like this version more. Yeah. I think it's awesome that, like, I think it is accessible enough that many people will go see it and probably already have. I think it's doing well. But, but that he has not 
it doesn't feel like it's a compromise in any way to me. No, still a scalding film that you can't recommend to any of your family members. Right. But for some reason, a bunch of people you don't know have seen it. (laughs) It is like if anyone asks me, oh, would I like the favorite? I'm going to think to myself, would they like that scene of the guy dancing naked with tomatoes being thrown at him? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Good point. point. I'm going to think, do you like Lars von Trier? No. (laughs) Then no. If you can't watch a Lars von Trier movie, don't watch this movie. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Um, but if I have to recommend any Yorgos movie, movie, it would probably be this one. It wouldn't be. It's a, it's a good smoothie of a movie. <laughs> it is. I agree. Cheers. Tune in next week for first impressions on Triple Frontier, Arctic, and discussion of the feature films Roma, At Eternity's Gate, and Roger Ebert's seminal screenplay, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. See you then. Run! Go! Get to the chopper! We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant.